The Liz Calloway Show. She's a one of a kind, and she's only found here. The new conservative alternative. Talk 94.5. Finally, you can start waking up on the right side of the bed again. Good morning and welcome to the Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers. Welcome to your Thursday morning Groundhog Day, February 2nd, 8.08. And joining us right now, it's time for... Now, it's the Columbia Check-In with Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett on the Liz Calloway Show with Nick Summers on Talk 94.5. Good morning, Lieutenant Governor. Good morning and happy Groundhog Day to everybody. Yeah, six more weeks of winter, but um, but you know what? There was a bypass for South Carolina. Did you hear? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but based on Nick's predictions for the weekend, I think nobody was listening to that. Hey, oh, wait, wait, my wait. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Not my predictions. I only report <laughs> the weather. You can blame the people that we used to have as a weather service till Liz slammed him this morning. WMBF. <laughs> well, I just said he was, so, he was picking on the groundhog for being... 37%, 39% correct. And I said, that's basically, it's the pot calling the kettle black. You know, he's a white oh my, man. Liz, I was just thinking that. I said, you should almost <laughs> do a survey to see how many people think our our weather people are more accurate than, exactly. than uh, the groundhog on Groundhog Day. But, you know, I, uh, and I do love our weather people. This is not bashing of the weather people, <laughs> but it is the job that, that trust me, if, if you're if you're if you're right, one out of seven days in the week, everybody's so happy with yeah. you. <laughs> you're the hometown hero. <laughs> All right, now, Lieutenant Governor, I'm going to give uh, a few minutes here for you to address the state of the state. One of the most um, uh, exciting lines in Governor McMaster's uh, speech was the uh, the record breaking year South Carolina had in 2022. What is he referring to? Oh, it was economic economic development here in South Carolina. You know, um, in 2022, we had two record-breaking announcements back-to-back. So I was uh, with the governor. We were at BMW up in the upstate, and they announced uh, a new facility expansion, $1.7 billion. And everybody was really excited wow. because that was going to be lot. the— <laughs> Yep. So it was record-breaking. It was going to be the biggest— influx of economic development we've had, single influx, only 30 days later uh, to be blown away uh, by Redwood, uh, who is going to be doing battery manufacturing. And it is a $3.6 billion investment here in our state. Wow. Where is that going to be? That is in uh, the Beaufort area. Wow. Okay. And so we, I mean, two big record-breaking years that brings a lot of money into South Carolina. And what people under, you know, need to understand is all this surplus, yes, a lot of it deals with the fact that we are very fiscally conservative, right? And we're not doing what you see at the federal level where we're just charging, charging, charging and not thinking that somebody has to pay for it. But it's the fact that we have such a great state and such great business philosophies here in the state that companies want to come here. And so with that growth brings a lot of tax dollars and a lot of jobs. Uh, and with jobs comes people, people becomes property taxes. All of this, as Reagan would talk about, it is really trickle-down economics, right? Because whatever we can produce at the state level really does trickle down to our localities. It, it's property taxes. It's, um, it's sales for our businesses. It works all the way around. 
Why did the governor want to have a 2% increase in the total amount of general appropriations for the Rainy Day Fund, uh, an, an additional $500 million? Well, it's the reason we've seen now by being fiscally conservative like that, we put ourselves and the people of South Carolina in a really good position. It's like having a savings account, Liz. It's what we tell our kids to do. It's what we try to tell people to do. You always have to make sure, and my dad used to call it, it's your rainy day fund, right? That yeah. savings account was your rainy day fund. If we ever had a huge recession and people are worried about it, we still don't know what's happening, right? Um, but we see prices going up. We see people getting laid off. Um, and really, a lot of tech jobs, we've seen it with Google, we've seen it with Amazon, um, we've seen it with Twitter. I mean, tens of thousands of people in each one of those companies getting laid off. If we get into a recession, we need to make sure we have money to keep all of our services going. And that's what the rainy day fund does. If we have the money, then we need to bank for a rainy day. We saw here in South Carolina when Textile left. Um, you know, things can happen that we can't predict. So when times are good, let's prepare for that so it doesn't adversely impact the people of South Carolina. One of the things you've mentioned to us before, Lieutenant Governor, is uh, the fact that we need more help with our roads and bridges and all of that. And uh, the governor mentioned that in his executive budget that it provides for an additional $850 million to continue speeding up the completion of projects for the relief of traffic congestion and repair and repay local roads and to fix more than 400 bridges around the state. Um, does he feel like the progress is too slow? Is that why? Is it, it needs more money? Well, you and I talked about this a few years ago, and I learned about it actually um, some friends, some friends of mine in North Carolina that, you know, everybody talks about how great North Carolina's roads are. But what has happened in North Carolina is when you see their construction stall, their their NCDOT has gone bankrupt twice. And, you know, people don't like how, you know, people wish that they could put a wand out there and fix every single road, but it's just not that easy. You need money and you need workers to do it, right? So it's a dual problem. But we want to make sure we have enough money, that money isn't the reason for slowing things down. I know anybody who goes between Greenville and Columbia, which I do on a regular basis, there's a huge construction project. That construction project is six months ahead of schedule. That's what having good funding like that does. If you talk to our loggers around the state, you know, people that deal with heavy equipment, um, our bridges, our bridges need some love and attention. And Director Hall uh, is really trying to push a lot of resources that way. Uh, we have a lot of bridge under weight restriction, and um, we need to make sure that we get those fixed and get them fixed as quickly as possible. And so that's what this money will do. Um, you know, we can't, we can't magically make workers appear, but we definitely can make sure that when they do appear, we have the money to be able to utilize them. That's what this will do. Let's talk about schools. And we know that this is near and dear to your heart. And the governor is always, always talking about, um, you know, school choice. We saw that the South Carolina Senate approved a school voucher bill that is now headed to the House of Representatives. Um, it um, it's pretty exciting. It's a, a ramp up type of model where it'll uh, apply to. Uh, the, the children that are at most risk or at highest risk and move on to eventually, I guess, all students. Um, what, what kind of, um, how do you feel about uh, this moving through the Senate? You know, I'm very hopeful with that. 
school choice is something I'm very passionate about. It's something the governor has been championing um, also for as long as we've been in office. Uh, we have now Ellen Weaver, who is a big champion of school choice. I would love to see it someday be available to everybody, to every single parent, right? Because, you know, it used to be that we used to think, well, we just want to make sure that kids that are forced by their zip code to be in a failing school district, that their parents would have the resources to be able to give them a brighter future. But now the concerns of parents go beyond, well, can, you know, can I afford this? You know, there are schools that are teaching things that parents don't like. And, and our tax dollars are going to that. So if I'm paying for it, then why can't my money move with my child? And I think that's the goal. If you're a good school and you're in a school district that is good, then people really aren't going to move their children, right? Unless they're seeking, you know, a parochial education where they want religion baked in, um, or their children have special gifts, right? That uh, a charter school that deals in math or science or, you know, STEM can actually be a resource for. But, you know, I'm a, I'm a business person, and, and at heart, that's what I'll always be. And I believe a high tide raises all ships. And when you give people choices and you give parents the power to choose, we wouldn't have to worry about CRT. We wouldn't have to worry about all these other things. Because when a parent was seeing things taught in a school that they didn't like, they would have the ability to move their children. And it would take care of a lot of the things that parents, you know, are upset about today. You know, 10 years ago, it was like, well, don't let a zip code define you. Well, now there's a lot of other things since COVID that parents are worried about. Um, and I think that's what school choice addresses. And again, I mean, I say this over and over, this is not groundbreaking. Giving vouchers to parents to allow their kids so they can choose where their children go to school is not groundbreaking. Florida does it. Alabama does it. When they did it, their test scores skyrocketed. The change in educational development skyrocketed because people will put their kids in environments where their kids can thrive. And isn't that what we want? That's how we get kids um, really prospering as adults. And we've got to get our kids reading. If there's anything that we can all do as adults for every single listener listening, our kids got to be able to read. It makes all the difference in the world. We've seen this with um, Javier's uh, daughter is uh, stays home with the children, but she was a teacher and she was a preschool teacher and she just reads nonstop with their kids. And it's yeah. like you talk to them and it's unbelievable. It is truly unbelievable how much time and effort she does her part as a parent. She's just amazing. And um, really... It's something that just becomes a, a really good habit, and her kids have a love for books. It's crazy. That's yeah. that's how it starts. And and you know, I, I'm not. And, and I don't want anybody to take this as me bashing anything on the electronic spectrum because there are some great apps that help kids figure out phonics and things like that. But nothing, nothing will replace a parent, a grandparent, an aunt or uncle, an older sibling sitting down with a child and reading to them mm -hmm. because it's conversational. You talk about the pictures. Kids need to be involved in conversational yeah. type exercises to really blossom mm -hmm. in learning. I, I'm part of the Hunt Keen Fellowship out of Washington, D.C., which looks at education. And it's a think tank. Um, sometimes it's, it's weird because I'm probably, I'm definitely on the far right side of most of the people that sit on it. Mm -hmm. But, um, 
it it is you should your children by the time they reach kindergarten should be speaking 150,000 words conversationally within mm. the course of let's say a week. Wow. And not big words, but I should be able to talk to you and you should be able to talk back to me and we should be able to find the words we need. Mm-hmm. And and with electronics people have gotten away from just that sit down and talk. So the you know, I say the best thing you can do for your teenagers is get them a job. Make them get a job so they figure things out. And the yeah. best thing we can do for our kids when they're babies is buy them books. Mm-hmm. Dolly Parton, uh, her imagination station. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for something, and I don't, I'm not, I don't get anything from it, and I'm not a spokesperson for her or anything. But you know, I, it's like for twenty five dollars a year, they will send a book from birth to kindergarten to a child. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what? You can get that for free. At the library? No, we we actually just went to her website. I'm just telling you from experience. And we signed up. Nicolina, she gets a book a month free. And and you know what? That is wonderful. But Nick, you know why she does that? Because somebody is donating twenty five dollars a year. Yeah, that's true. Mm. I think that's what it is. So I mean, if you have a club or an organization and reading is near and dear to your heart, like it is to me, it's a great thing. And again, I, I'm not her spokesperson. I'm just a passionate mom who thinks every child should have books in their hands and. And studies show that if there are books in the house, kids will be more likely to read. And it's it's a shame because you talk to some um, preschool teachers who, when they show a child a book, they've never seen a book before. Yeah. And we have to stop that because that's what will close the education gap here in our state, here in our country. Uh, and it all starts with a very simple thing. So if, So if you're looking for a good birthday present, if you're looking for a good Christmas present, Easter, all these things, buy a book. Mm -hmm. Buy a book for a child you love and let them sit on your lap and read stuff. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, before we run out of time, there are two more things I want to talk about. And I'm very um, happy to know that the governor has not lost interest in placing armed certified school resource officers in schools. Um, a lot of times this is a topic that only becomes talked about when unfor- there's an unfortunate tragedy that is just horrifying in a school somewhere. Um, he is still talking about that. And where are we at? Are, do we have, do these schools have the funding, the officers? Does every school have them? Does that include charter schools and private schools or is it only public schools? What is this, the update? Do you know? So, yes, so we have made great strides. Um, It used to be the Department of Education way back in the day was kind of tasked with making sure that we had a school resource officer everywhere. The governor didn't feel that that um, was in the right spot, so he took it away from them, gave it to DPS, and we had made great strides. We have now, when he's talking about the money, um, right now the state was funding for any school district who couldn't afford to have a school resource officer. And let's say it was a school that had funding issues or needs or rural communities. Um, the state was actually taking on and making sure that the monies were there for them. As schools are saying, you know, we don't have the resources. The state is coming in to play. Our biggest hurdle there was actually getting law enforcement officers wasn't really a money issue. It was a personnel issue. Um, but we are down out of all the brick and mortar, brick and mortar buildings. Uh, I wish I had the exact number, but I think it's like 112 schools statewide. That's all that we're lacking. And again, it's more for resource as far as the, the resource officer. Unfortunately, we see it in all of our state law enforcement. Our numbers are down. 
with with the threats of you know being sued, with the public sentiment going after our law enforcement, things like that, um, we have seen a decline in the amount of people that are going into the profession. And so unfortunately, it impacts all these things. But it's not something we're going to give up on. We're going to make sure that every school that needs one, um, that can't afford it, the state will be here to make sure that we're keeping our kids safe. I wanted to ask you real quick before we let you go, Lieutenant Governor, you wanted to talk about something that's working its way through the legislature um, regarding fentanyl. Yes. Something I'm very proud of. You know, Liz, I had three moms in my office in December. They have put together a coalition um, of moms to actually get this legislation passed through. Chief Keel, um, he's our director of SLED, and he's an amazing, he's an amazing man. He has put his weight into this bill. I've talked to him about it. In South Carolina, we really didn't have fentanyl. Is, it's a drug, but it's like a byproduct drug. So it's not like cocaine or heroin on the list of drugs. Um, this is a very basic thing because, again, I'm not, on the law, I'm not a law enforcement person. Um, but sheriffs and, and chiefs of police, they were kind of handcuffed about how they could um, stop people from selling it. Like what, what could they really do? What do they charge them with? So this piece of legislation puts a lot of teeth and a lot of penalty into the people who are trafficking and dealing fentanyl. It's the number one killer of our kids Mm. from 14 to 21. It's killing more kids. And these moms, Liz, you're a mom, I'm a mom to every mom out there. And even dads. I had two, uh, two of the three moms, Mm -hmm. their children were not what you would consider drug addict children. Like everybody thinks like, oh, these are drug addicts. One of their children was a baseball player in college. A friend said, hey, listen, uh, you know, if you take Ritalin, like somebody, you'll be Mm -hmm. able to stay up and study. He took took a Ritalin from somebody to try to stay up and study. It was laced with fentanyl and Mm -hmm. it killed him. Mm. There was another one very similar. I had read an article recently about a child who took literally an aspirin Mm -hmm. from somebody or a Tylenol or whatever, had a headache from somebody at school, and it was in a bottle that had a pill that was laced with fentanyl, and it killed that child. Like these, this is not just a, you know, Mm -hmm. kids who have gotten themselves in a bad place. Mm -hmm. Um, It is affecting really good kids. Um, It's affecting people from all over. We're seeing our law enforcement Narcanning people, you know, in the streets continuously. Mm -hmm. We have to have teeth in it. So you can tell I'm very excited, Liz, about this bill because we need to close our borders because this is where this really bad actor is coming in from, right? Coming in from our southern borders. Absolutely. And it's killing our kids in record numbers and, and it's I have, destroying families. I have even worse news, and I don't know if this has come down across your, you know, path yet, but bad news is is now fentanyl is it's always changing. It's becoming more powerful. And now there is a type of it that is Narcan resistant. I have heard that. I have heard it's something that came out of a byproduct of a veterinary drug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the special and, K. Yep. And it is, it, it, you know, we, it is hard for our law enforcement, for everybody, for the medical community to stay ahead of these bad actors, right? Because mm-hmm. this is not a science. They're putting these things together in, you know, makeshift labs that are in warehouse buildings. I mean, this is, it, it's going to keep being a problem unless we can close our southern borders. We need to keep this stuff out of our country. 
I have always said thank you so much to uh, our former president. You know, he did a lot keeping this stuff from China getting into the U.S., um, but it's running rampant. They're picking it up in, in record numbers coming across the southern border. So um, we really have to make sure that we close it down. And I don't know. I don't know how we do that until we can get gain yeah. control of the Senate, gain control of the White House. But we can't stop trying. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really crazy stuff. And and the other thing with Narcan is it has to be it has to be administered in a timely manner because then it will become ineffective or it needs to be used repeatedly. Um, you know, don't give up. Do the rescue breathing. Um, and and you know, or. It could be uh, an overdose of a drug of a different kind and you're using Narcan and it's not working. So you're not doing the life saving stuff because it's something else like that uh, K2, you know, that special K used to be. And now it's K2. Uh, You know, it's it's unbelievable how the cartel is just outpacing uh, our ability to to stave off all these overdoses. And, and, And and we're all sitting here scratching our heads and like. Why isn't isn't the the Biden administration doing anything about this? And we see these impeachment um, hearings going on for Mayorkas. And uh, he's asked, did the vice president, Kamala Harris, the border czar, have has she ever met with you? And he's like, no. It's like, what is what do they care? You know, it's, you know, that that's what's mind boggling Mm -hmm. is, is they have to see it. You don't have to be, you know a nuclear physicist to see what's going on here. But we're not and, seeing and it. And we understand. Case. We don't have to go yeah. to the border to see what's happening or hear what's happening or understand from experts that are there. Why can we be hopping mad? And I've never been to the border, but why do I get it? You know, I, I don't need to drag her butt to the border. I, I mean, just acknowledge it is an actual problem. It doesn't. And you know, I almost believe that whatever the Republicans say, is a problem the Democrats are going to turn a blind eye on. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it, 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 we've gotten to a place where we can't, we're, we're so polar that we can't even come to the middle to agree because then that's, to agree for something that's for the good of the country almost makes you now a traitor to your own party. And it's so sad that that is where we are um, in Washington. And, you know, uh, say prayers for all the people we send to Washington, because I can't even imagine that kind of environment. You know, we hold super majorities in Colombia, but I've never seen disrespect across the aisle. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we may not, they may not get a lot of what they think is good or, or the way they want it. I, I really believe when you talk to most people, we all want the same thing. It's our path to get there that's different. Right. Yeah. So, um, but you know, we need to start having some civil conversation, some honest conversation, mm-hmm. not just the standing on our soapbox and yelling. And that's what we see coming out of DC, and it's very sad. So, my prayers go to Congressman Fry all the time, and all of our other elected officials uh, that are in DC because I can't even imagine how toxic yeah. that environment is. Absolutely. All right, and you just saw Trump. Any, any, la- I mean, we're so late here, but any, any last minute uh, comment about no, meeting Trump the no, other day? It was, it was good. Um, you know, I, it was great to hear uh, the former president talk about his dreams and aspirations um, for America because it's always very inspiring. So it was, 
it was good. He had a big turnout here in South Carolina and, uh, it was great. It was great to welcome. It was just really great to welcome the former president yeah. back here. All right. Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett, thank you so much for all your time. And uh, we'll we'll catch you next week. That's good. We have a lot of things moving. So I'll have more things to update you on. I hope you all stay warm this weekend and have a great weekend. And I also wanted to thank you for the shout out, which was totally unnecessary. <laughs> the B540 uh, event. But thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, <laughs> Liz, that that was a great that yeah. was a great event to Donna and everybody mm-hmm. at B five forty. Keep keep uh, keep doing what you're doing. You're making us all proud. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. Hey, uh, before we go to break, I have to report this because this is bad. We've got an accident possibly Again? involving a school bus. Oh no! These are reports from our text line. I trust these people and went on to the SCDOT Highway ninety. Uh, International Drive backed up both directions, and it looks like going east is really bad. Uh, going, you know, west towards like Conway, <clears throat> it's not as bad, but it's starting to show some backups. International Drive also showing some backups. So we've got a possible accident, possibly involving a school bus. I'll wait to get confirmation on that, but I do want to let you know. Try to avoid Highway 90 at all costs currently right around International Drive and some of the extended areas. So it is definitely nasty at this time, and I'll do some digging. Liz Calloway and Nick Summers will be back in a few on Talk 94.5. Two Men in a Truck is uh, ready to help you get moving on to the next chapter of your life, moving forward. That's what they do. They move people forward, and they do it so, like, unbelievably uh, safely. They make sure all of your belongings and prized possessions are wrapped properly and put on the truck in a very, they must have, they must be geometry experts because they figure out how to pack that truck so that it's not all banging around, messing around, and they can fit the maximum amount in there. Um, They also can help you pack your storage unit. Uh, If you have to move stuff into storage, uh, get two men in a truck involved. They'll load up that truck and fill up that storage unit the proper way so you maximize the space and and uh, put the things you need you know in the right place if you need to access it i mean these are professionals they're background checked they're trained and uh they're going to treat you right i had them move us so many times and they just do a fantastic job and that's why i keep moving because they make it so easy but i think i'm here to stay for a while anyway yeah right go to two men in 